friends, we have been talking for a couple months now about this thing called discipleship. And the vision team has highlighted it as probably the most important thing that we're going to be working on as a team with the church family over the next year. The crazy thing about saying, though, that discipleship is something we're going to work on over the next year is that discipleship is not something that comes with a time frame. It's actually something that will be ongoing for the rest of your life as long as you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So this morning, what we're going to be talking about is how that whole process started and what that might look like here in the life of our church. Would you, would you pray with me and we'll study the word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. It, it all started with hearing him speak, and that's usually how these things start. If you think about the way that relationships work, it's really hard to gain traction in a relationship until somebody actually says something. So if you've ever had the experience of riding on a subway, you know that there's always tons of people around you, but that doesn't mean that you have a relationship with any of them. You don't know their name, their age, their hometown, much less what they think about any issue of the day. But then somebody opens their mouth and ideas and concepts start coming out, and you get to see a little bit of the person that's in front of you. And then from there, over time, and by listening to them, you can make a choice about wanting to connect with them. And there's going to be people that you're going to meet that you're going to be drawn to immediately, and there's going to be people that you're going to go to great lengths to avoid at all costs. And then there's that broad range in the middle that is just dictated by social polite behavior. But he, he was somebody who drew people to him. A true voice of hope in a very difficult time. People couldn't stay away. They gathered around him just, just to try and hear what he would say next and to see what he would do next. It was a lot of people a lot of the time. Once, while he was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him, think about that. Think about what it's like to, to just be this one person and to have this crowd pressing in on you. They wanted to hear the word of God, and he saw two boats there on the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, and asked him to pull a little bit away from the shore. He's, he's trying to get just a little bit of distance, a little bit of breathing room. And then he sat down and he continued to teach the crowds from the boat. In the other gospel tellings of this story, and you can find it in just about all the other gospels, there's this image that's painted that, that Jesus had been watching the fishermen. He was really interested in what they were doing. So there he is with this throng of people that are all interested in him, pressing in on him, and he decides to hone in on a few people that weren't really even paying attention to him. They are washing their nets. I, I think that that's such an intriguing detail. Is it that they just didn't care who this Jesus guy was? 
Or is it that they cared, but they were trying to make a living, and this was still the work day, and they still had things that they had to do? Or is it that they were fishermen, and they didn't feel like that they were the kind of people who were welcomed to be among that crowd? It's very possible that it was a combination of of all three of those things. But nonetheless, we know that Jesus moves away from the crowd and towards them. I kind of wonder what it was like for Simon when, when Jesus walks up to him, gets into his boat and tells him, okay, push off from, from the shore. Was, was Simon honored by that? Jesus was popular back then, but, but they didn't quite know that he was the son of God. Was, was Simon annoyed? Because after all, it had been a long work day. We're trying to clean things up and get out of there. Either way, Jesus has picked Simon out of this whole crowd of people, all of these people who are pressing in on Jesus. And in that space, Jesus creates this intimate opportunity for Simon. Back in, back in 2012, I was asked to speak at a really, really large conference in, in Orlando. And I'd only been at Kirkwood for, for two years, and I would say that in terms of the larger church, I, I was pretty much an unknown. And when they asked me what they thought was going to be one of the selling points of getting me to do this was that one of the other speakers at the conference was going to be this guy named John Ortberg. And that might not mean quite a lot to you, but in a room of 3,000 pastors, this guy is a big huge deal. He's one of those pastors that has written books, and he has DVDs, and he's produced Bible studies, and people love to hear him speak. He's, he's a big guy, and, and he's got some of the coolest church members. Not that I don't have cool church members, but he's got Condoleezza Rice sitting in his congregation every Sunday morning, and I remember I remember getting to the conference registration, and I walked into this, this big conference center in Orlando, and there's already this huge crowd of people, and they're all gathered around something, and, and it was actually someone. It was Ortberg. And, and I'm not going to lie, I was just as starstruck as anybody else in, in the room, and realizing that, that he was already at the conference, and that I was going to speak first was not a help to me at, at all. So I decided that even though he's this amazing pastor and preacher, that I I was not going to participate in this great following of of this man all around the conference center. And people would come up to me, friends of mine, and they would say, did you get to meet Ortberg yet? And and I'd look at them and be like, nope. And and then the time came for me to speak, and I went out on stage, and and there were all these people and and lights and, and cameras, and I kicked off the, the conference. And as soon as I was done, as soon as I could get off that stage, while the rest of, of the gathering was wrapping up, I ran back to my hotel room. I threw on a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt, pulled my hair back in a ponytail, and slipped into the back of the conference center. Now, I wasn't trying to disguise myself. I just, I just didn't, I didn't like that kind of spotlight any, anymore. And it worked, it worked because nobody recognized me, so I got to hear what they had to say about me. And and I don't remember a lot of it except for this one guy who came up to Pastor Sung who was standing right next to me 
Not, not like over there, but he was like right next to me. And the guy says, hey, you're Lee from, from Bradenton. Are you related to the speaker? Now, I'm standing right there, like right there. And, and Sung, as soon as he kind of realized what was happening, he's like, I'm going to play along with this. And he's like, yeah, she's, she's my wife. Great, I have something really important to tell her. Can you give her a message? Hello, I'm right there, right there. And this is what he says. He goes, my wife would absolutely love the outfit that she was wearing. Can you ask her where she got it? And I couldn't decide if I was hurt or if that was hilarious. But it was a great dose of humility for me either, either way. So I started to walk back to my hotel room and my cell phone went off and it was this text from this number that I didn't recognize. And this is what it said. Hope, this is John Ortberg. We didn't get a chance to meet earlier. You did an amazing job. Thanks for sharing the word of God. I don't quite remember what happened next or how John Ortberg got my cell phone number. But in a crowd of thousands of people, many of whom who had come just, just to see him, John Ortberg made a point to connect with a total nobody. I believe that Jesus was very intentional in the people that he wanted to be among his closest followers. If you look at most of the interactions that Jesus has had with individuals in the gospel, almost every single one of those encounters is an intentional effort on Jesus's part to make a connection. He starts with Simon in the boat. And what's really interesting about Simon is that we don't we don't know that Simon had expressed a whole lot of interest or, or knowledge about Jesus. When he had finished speaking to Simon, he, he, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night but have caught nothing yet. If you say so, so I will let down the nets. What a moment, right? It's not just that, that he was going to spend a little bit of time with Simon to get away from the crowds. Like now he's got an invitation to go out even deeper with him. So Jesus spoke to the crowd, but when he was done and that crowd dissipated, he, he turned interest into what Simon was doing. He didn't say to Simon, so what did, what did you think about that? That was pretty good, huh? 40,000 people all out there all came to see me. I'm pretty amazing. No, instead what he does is, is he invests in, in where Simon is. And here again, we don't know if Jesus liked fishing. He was a carpenter, so this may have been a weekend hobby for him. We're not exactly sure. We don't know if he really knew anything about fishing, if he had any skill in it. But here's the thing that I, I think throughout a lot of people, this isn't really a story about fishing. It's not. It's about how Jesus chose to connect with Simon. I don't know a lot about fishing either, but from my very limited experience with it, there's a lot of waiting involved. It seems like that's what you do when you go fishing. You go out there and you just, you wait. So if you're out on the boat with just a few people and you've got all this time in the middle of the deep water, even if it's your intent to fish, there's going to be opportunities to connect and to belong to one another. Jesus didn't start by asking Simon 
to come to Jesus, Jesus starts by going to Simon, and then out they went together. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. In a very short period of time, Simon's day is totally transformed. I mean, think about this. We're only talking about a couple hours here. He'd admitted to the fact that he'd been out all night. He'd caught nothing. He's trying to wrap it up and call it a day. And Jesus hops on his boat. After teaching these crowds of people, he singles out Simon, not to proselytize him, but to show him what transformation looks like starting with the transformation of the outcome of that particular workday. That must have been a lot for Simon to absorb, from cleaning his nets to a full sinking boat because of Jesus. And at some point, it it literally became so overwhelming that he had to call in his partners to be a a part of that major shift in his day, and then in their day. And they came and they filled their boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Again, Think about how that day started for Simon and how that day is going to end. And the difference in that day is Jesus. But it's overwhelming. A whole night of nothing but emptiness and discouragement. And now his boats are so full that they are sinking. That is a dramatic change of events. And I think that what happened to Simon Peter is very similar to what happens to us as we start our journey of belonging and belief with Jesus. There's this point when when we surrender to Christ, and it may not be as dramatic as Simon Peter, but when we make that move because someone has shown us what what has transformed in their life because of Jesus— we discovered that initial transformation for ourselves. And there's some things that we got to get worked out in that process. But here's also what happens. Simon doesn't realize how much he needed Jesus in his life until he met Jesus. And it wasn't because of a bunch of fish. It's because Jesus made him aware of what his life was and then showed him what his life could be. And Simon is so overwhelmed that he yells out, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man, because that's who Simon was when Jesus shows up. I'm not so sure that that it, it even crossed Simon's mind, much less his lips earlier in the day, that he was a sinful man. I don't think he started his day that way. He was just going about his business quite literally when Jesus shows up. And somehow he goes from cleaning nets to following Jesus to confessing sin because of this trusting relationship that occurs because Jesus intentionally sought him out. 
So Jesus responds to Simon Peter's confession by saying, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they brought their boats back to shore, they left everything and followed him. Do you see how quickly this happened? One day this happens. They left everything and they followed him. And I think for a long time, for a long time, I think that that churches just assumed that, that people would obviously follow Jesus because they believed in him which sounds like a great criteria for a club or, or a fraternity. But here in Luke, Jesus turns this whole idea upside down. The, the disciples, and again, this is the story of the calling of the first disciples, follow Jesus because they felt a sense of belonging. That somehow in the midst of all of these people, Jesus still had a place for them. And they witnessed how his presence in their lives could transform the outcome of that day and start them on a new trajectory for a life to come. They discovered an important truth, that they belonged to Jesus before they believed in him. And once they knew that they belonged, it wasn't very hard to accept the invitation to believe and follow him. The difference between that group that was pressing in on Jesus and the disciples is that the group sensed that they belonged to the group. The disciples sensed that they belonged to Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world when we're talking about discipleship because discipleship is personal. It is intimate. It is intentional. It begins with belonging, and then it leads to believing. Not necessarily believing in the church, but most definitely believing in Christ. Now, we've been talking about this for a month now. Today is the official start of our highly focused church-wide effort on discipleship. And there are several ways that you can be involved. You can start by going to lunch. And if you don't particularly like lunch, go fishing. And if fishing isn't your deal, then go to the beach. And if you're not an outdoor person, then go to the coffee shop. But wherever it is that you go, do not go alone. Because if you are looking to make that move from belonging to believing, and you want to start that conversation then what you do is you invite somebody that you think is just a little further down the road than you. You don't need to go find John Ortberg. You just need to find somebody that's walking that path and they're just a little further ahead of you and you want to catch up to them and start walking together. Or maybe, maybe it's that you've been following Jesus for a while and you've got a friend that you love so much that you want to get them started or you want to encourage them, well, if that's the case, then they get to pick. They get to pick whether you're going fishing or to the beach or wherever because you're going to go where they are. Either way, you make that connection. It doesn't have to be organized by the church. In fact, it's better if it's not because it's your journey and it's your discipleship that we're talking about here. So it doesn't have to be organized by the church, but it does have to be intentional by you. 
Another thing that you can do is share your story. And I know that for Presbyterians, that just goes against every grain and fiber of our being. We are the frozen chosen. We do not express emotion over anything. But, but, there are stories in Scripture. I mean, it's, it's biblical. It's biblical that it is okay for us to share our stories with one another. We talked about how overwhelming Simon Peter's experience was on that first day. You know, for a lot of people, that's how they might feel when they start following Jesus. And it helps when they can see and hear about how others went through it and are doing it, and how God's faithfulness is present in their lives. We need to share those, those stories, and we have amazing stories in this congregation. And there's stories that I get to tell when I go away and speak at conferences, but I'm not going to tell them here in this room because they're your stories. They're not my stories to tell. And these are stories of redemption, of second chances, of grace, of unfailing love, of repentance, of new beginnings. These are extraordinary stories. And we need to start telling them to each other. Now, I can tell you my stories, but I've been here a long time. We were running out of my stories to tell. You know most of them. So now I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to share your story because if for no other reason, your story, when it is taken over by the Holy Spirit, can radically change somebody else's story if, if you tell it. It's not, it's not that that God is going to compel you to embarrass yourself in front of the church family. No, God is going to call you to share something that is going to be of value and encouragement to the other people in this place. So if God puts that on your heart, if you've got a tug from the Holy Spirit, even, even if it's just a little one, you're not even sure that it's a tug, come and talk to me. Because I want to give you that opportunity to testify to what God is doing in your life. So finally, finally, the other way that you can immediately be involved in discipleship in this church is that you can be intentional in transforming somebody's day. That's what Jesus did to Simon. Jesus comes in, disrupts the whole day. Now you can do that. You can do that. You can write a note to somebody. You can make a phone call to them. You can send an email that encourages them, that blesses them, that lets them know that you are seeing them on the journey and you're walking with them and you're going to be there along the way. You can do that. I promise you it will disrupt someone's day. It will absolutely do that. That's what Jesus did for Simon Peter. Not just disrupt his day, but disrupt his whole life. But it started on one single day. So you open up the channels of relationship that remind people that they belong. Even as they are working out day by day what it is that they believe. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, be with our congregation. Be with us as, as we do something that, that we should be doing all along, that, that should have been covered a long time ago, but, 
but maybe we took it for granted. Maybe we forgot about it. Maybe it just didn't make it to the top of the priority list, but it's a priority to you. Help us as, as we go on this journey of belonging and believing and transformation. Help us to share our stories. Holy Spirit, I just pray that, that you would be on the hearts of people in this room right now that have a story that they can share that's going to make a difference in the lives of the people that come into this space. Be with us on the journey. In your name we pray. Amen.